O Lord, may the words of our lips and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, good morning. It's still morning. I can't, I've lost track of time um, coming down from Kroningen. Um, and uh, not realizing on the way um, in advance, despite all of the apps and tom-toms, that um, in fact, part of the motorway was closed. And so I had a gentle trip through the Veilua, which I highly recommend, a beautiful place. But it makes me remember our readings. The theme constantly coming across is, um, turn the right direction, son. Because I got off in one and I was listening to one and I went the wrong direction and I went another. In the... But you know, ultimately, God wants to lead us to the right place. And so it may sound rather hard to hear Jesus speak to us, repent, but it's for our help and for our health. And the readings are challenging as always, but that's the intention. And they help us. And it never ceases to amaze me how they speak to our situations each time we meet to reflect on them. Um, as St. Augustine's teacher Ambrose said to him, um, as it was in paradise, God walks in the Holy Scriptures seeking humans. And so I hope we are found by the word of the Lord, both what we read and contemplate and pray about in Scripture, but of course the living word, who is our Savior, Jesus Christ, speaking to us. Now, the Spirit of the Lord was active in the ancient times, of course, and the poetic prophet Isaiah was also trying to get people to return. I'll have to admit that passage we have, it's one that I could practically use every day. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Well, he's available. Return to him while he is near. Let the wicked abandon their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Turn back to the Lord, for he has mercy. He will richly pardon. The Lord wants to save us. And it's interesting that passage from Isaiah as well, in addition to speaking out to us so that we will turn, the situation that Isaiah is speaking to the people of Israel in is that they have just suffered exile themselves. And we are hearing about one of the great refugee crises ever in Europe right now. And it's sad but true that I think if you look back at human history and our story, that people being forced out of their homes and having to flee their homelands is something that's happened on every continent and to so many people down through the ages. God is speaking to humanity to end its brutality. 
And yet in this passage, he's speaking to former exiles to say, welcome exiles. Extraordinary. In the passage, verse 5, and I use a slightly different translation, but it still works, I hope. It says, nations you do not know, they will come running to you. Because the Lord, the God of Israel, has endowed you with splendor. If the Lord has blessed us in our part of the world with safety and security and welfare, it's not our job to hoard our blessings, but to be a blessing for others, to share God's blessings. Every crisis that we've ever faced is always excruciating. But I hope in each of them that we learn how God is leading us. Whether we've suffered as physical refugees, we're all suffering in a way as spiritual refugees. And so let us welcome each other and build each other up in Christ along the way, because the journey keeps going. And sometimes we haven't figured out where we're going. And that's how we need to help each other, pointing each other to God and embracing and hugging each other, especially those who are hurting. Jesus, in the passage we heard from Luke's gospel today, he's questioned after this long and beautiful talk he's given about the way of God and how we are invited to follow it, how we're not supposed to hoard things, how we're supposed to share, because only rich fools, they don't realize that it's all going to be taken away, eventually anyway, that we're supposed to prepare for the dawning of the kingdom. And even in the stress of these times and old times, the peace of God is supposed to be within us so that we don't have anxiety. After this, then some people say, well, wait a minute, hold on, Master. Um, what about those Galileans that were executed? And Pilate sacrificed their blood to pagan gods. Was it their fault? Wow. I hope they were listening to what he said, but obviously they were upset and concerned. And as we contemplate the acts, the vicious acts of cruelty by someone else in power, and it's not the first, Jesus is speaking to us. And he speaks to us as ever, not in a way that necessarily answers our questions, fulfills our expectations. Jesus is constantly trying to teach us by stretching us, by, yeah, opening up our hearts. We're praying as that song did, which is inspired by Psalm 51. You know, create in us new hearts, Jesus. Stretch them, abide in them, make us understand things that we didn't. People are coming to Jesus saying, okay, those people who died, is that God's judgment on them? And then he looks at them, he says, well, what about those people who died in that construction disaster? 
In a tower in the southeast border, the wall of Jerusalem, was it their fault too? Why, humans, do we assume that God is judging people and punishing them the way that tyrants do? We don't always understand. Isaiah reminded us that the Lord's mind is beyond ours. In this world, Paul reminded us, <clears throat> we don't see clearly. I really look forward to the day when we will understand all that's going on, but that will be when we are completely in God's presence and we can practice now. I mean, I always say about worship, you know, it's practice. <laughs> in preparation for celebrating in the presence of God fully, when we will see clearly, but in his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, you know, those with pure hearts, blessed are they because they will see God. So I need, we all need constant purification of our hearts in order to see God's will and work more clearly and better. So I look forward to the end, but for now, let us look to Christ and let us not, as he's saying in the gospel reading, let us not judge he warned us also in the Sermon on the Mount, you're going to be judged the way you judge. So I'm kind of intimidated. I hope we all are. I remember David Watson, I don't know if you do, but a, a wonderful evangelical preacher in the UK who sadly, relatively early in his life, well, in his 40s, he contracted terminal cancer. And people were shocked by this. And they were wondering, so... Um, you know, why this for you? And his response, the best he could do, he said, you know, I'm not sure why is always the best question in these moments. I think what is more important? What do I do now? And the rest of his short life, he spent for Christ continuing to preach the word and draw people to Christ. He remains a shining example. Jesus warned us not to judge others. And also, I know this might seem strange, but don't judge yourself. <laughs> because God's love actually drives God's judgment. So we might deny God through our loathing of ourselves, but God doesn't want that. He wants us to love ourselves and others and him, of course. Jesus came to try to teach us about love. That is what he stood for and what he died for, for us, so that we could learn to judge less and to love more. Yes, we're all deeply flawed and the world is too. That wasn't the way the creator planned it, but he let us free. And we have erred and strayed like lost sheep, but he wants us all back. Yes, God is walking through scripture seeking humans and maybe Understandably, the best summary of salvation for us, John 3, 16, 
that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes will not perish, but have life. But verse 17, don't forget that one too. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save it through him. And so just because Pilate gets away with barbaric cruelty, at least then, I can't speak to where he is now. And just because cruelty and atrocity continues does not mean that that is God's will. God speaks out to the suffering exiles of Israel, to the suffering spiritual exiles and refugees of all eternity to say, come, you who are thirsty, come to me. Come to the waters. You don't need money to buy it. Come, it's yours, it's a gift. Give ear to me, listen, so that you can live and live for others. That is my promise. It was my promise to David, and yes, <laughs> that Psalm 51 that we sang, that was him. David crying out for the sick thing he had done, choosing another woman and feeling punishment for it. But a new heart was created in him too. God's heart surgery is going to work every time if we let it. All it takes is for us to accept it, to return to the Lord who will have mercy and who will richly pardon. Running back to the Lord like the prodigal son and being embraced. God gives thanks for everyone who repents. And that's celebrated in heaven, we're told, more than the righteous. And it's needed. Now Jesus does warn us about the thing, the time that we have with that parable of the fig tree. He doesn't want us to be depressed. He's saying, you know, folks, there's more time. And St. Peter wrote this in one of his letters, you know, why isn't the end time now? Well, it's because we humans need more time to repent. Still working on it. We are all pieces of work. But God is molding us, I hope, and God is our gardener. But we're invited to participate. When you look at that parable of the fig tree that Jesus tells, and the fig tree doesn't have fruit immediately, who's the one who owns the vineyard? God? I sure hope so. Who's the gardener? Is it Jesus? Could be. Is it us? The church? could be, helping out, having patience, working, reworking the soil, helping things grow. The gardener is on the tree's side. The tree is given every chance to bear fruit. What can we do? Can we help cultivate, garden, 
maybe snip back a few things if the Lord asks, so that growth can come and that the harvest will be plentiful. We're given a chance to be changed and to help in God's transformation of the world. And that is a great blessing for us as followers of Christ in this world which is so tortured, in which bad things happen to good people. We need to give thanks for the good things that do happen and be good things and blessings for the world so that we will all turn to Christ. Isaiah says, give ear and come to me, says the Lord. Listen that you may live. And I interpret this to mean so that others may live too, with us. We are part of God's love. We need to live lives that are grateful, redeemed, reconciled, and reviving refreshing others. Jesus did not deny the brokenness of the world, the difficulties in the garden. We know that sadly, sick things are still happening. But we are not asked to turn a blind eye. We're asked to turn back to the Lord and face the situation and help out. And so I enjoy this prayer that Lancelot Andrews gave us. Open our eyes, Lord, to behold your presence and strengthen our hands to do your will, that the world may rejoice and give you praise. Amen.